Welcome to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information, visit us at compasslu.org. All right, well, there's something to live up to, right? (laughs) So we're going to be continuing in our teaching series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And today I'd like to consider evidence of new life. We know that the first half of Ephesians, the first three chapters are more like doctrinal, like things that are available, uh, what we were and what we're to be and, and, and great things that are available for us. And then the second half of Ephesians uh, 4 through 6 is more like the practical how to, how to live. So if we're seeing what's available and all of that, then we're probably going to be evidencing these things in our lives. So evidence of new life, 417 through 32 is what I'm going to cover today. And we're going to continue with the uh, um, uh, themes in Ephesians this morning. Uh, for some of you that have attended every one of these, you know, you could almost recite them uh, by heart now. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and review them because each one of these teachings are uh, standalone. They could stand alone. You could pick them out at any time and go back and review them whenever you'd like. So number one, it's community-oriented versus individualistic. Every you in a letter should be read as y'all. And that's not just a southern colloquialism, it's the community environment here. Also notice the we versus you language throughout the letter. The second point is new creation and new order of things in Jesus. Kingdom of God in Ephesians. So we're going to see some practical aspects of that today as well. Then unity in Christ, Judean and Gentile together. And we know that One of the overriding themes of Ephesians is unity. It's about unity. So the unity of Christ, unity in Christ, Judean and Gentile, and unity between heaven and earth. How many people want to see that every day? I know I do too. And then there's the part that we have to deal with, division and battle with the powers of the world. Nobody wants to see that, right? (laughs) But it's just part of the life that we've got. So let's start out by reading that whole section of Scripture, then we'll go back and uh, look at each individual verse a little bit more detail. So Ephesians 4 and verse 17. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that ye all must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of their heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work 
with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. All right. That's a lot, right? <laughs> it's a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, so let's go back to verse 17, and let's look at some of these things. Now I say, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Who is his audience? Who is he talking to, right? So uh, let's go back and consider, you know, who we are talking to here or who Paul's talking to. So in Ephesians 1, in verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus. So apparently they've heard something, right? So if they're faithful and they're part of the household of God, so we're talking to this community here and are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to y'all and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, well, there's that. Let's go to Ephesians 2 and verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, y'all, this is the first time that Gentiles is brought up in this section here, Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, Remember that y'all were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without uh, God in the world. So this verse 12, it gives you a pretty good description of what Gentiles are, right? So they're separated from Christ, they're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, the covenants of promise, talking about the ones that were made to Abraham and back that all that time that he would be a God to him and to his children forever. And having no hope, that sounds sad, doesn't it? No hope in the world. Uh, our hope is that we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ and all that that brings for us. And without God, in a world. That's a dark place. So that's that's the Gentile people. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, it brings up some more of who this audience is. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, a prisoner. <laughs> Paul is actually incarcerated when he's writing this letter to those folks. So he's an actual prisoner for you Gentiles, he says, for, for all y'all. On uh, behalf of y'all, Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for y'all, how the mystery was made known by me in Revelation, as I have written briefly. And when y'all read this, y'all can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, 
which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it is now being revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles, y'all, are fellow heirs with members of the same body and partakers of the promise of in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Interesting, right? All right. Here's the final one in this book of Ephesians. It's interesting, Gentiles comes up five times. And uh, some people understand that number meaning five being a number of grace, God's grace to all of us and to these people. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that ye all must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. This is what not to do. I love that, man. In this thing, this practical section, it tells us what to do and what not to do. So, walk. Now, we understand this walk, it means the standards that govern one's life. Don't walk like a Gentile. So, that's interesting when you think about that. I'm a Gentile, or I was. I was other nation. I was not part of God's chosen people, you know, and uh, my standards now have to change. Okay, so that means that Somehow, we have to remake our entire identity. That means no longer American, no longer native peoples, or other nationalities, because that's what that word means, uh, Gentiles. It is the word, I'm getting kind of geeky here for a second with the Greek, you know, ethnos, all right? Uh, A race, as of the same habit, that's interesting. It's defined that way. The same habit. You can see where we get the word ethics from. For example, a tribe, especially a foreign, non-Jewish one, usually by implication, pagan, Gentile, heathen, nation, people, ethnic groups. And basically the word breaks it down in two ways. Either you are Judean or you're not. Right? So that's what ethnos or ethics or, or um, uh, peoples or Gentiles, it's everybody else, everybody else. So now, all of a sudden, don't walk like that. That's all you know. If that's where you've been brought up in, not in this cultured story of God and truth and Abraham and Moses and the deliverance of all that stuff and, you know, bringing up and whatever we thought was right. Perhaps some of you were raised Christian and you were, you know, but some of us came to it later in life. All of a sudden, this whole culture that I'm immersed in, I have to become something new? Yes. <laughs> That's what the first three chapters is talking about. Look, man, this stuff is great. And Paul said, look, and I've written in other things too. Check that out. And he's not talking to an audience that has never heard the message of deliverance about Jesus Christ. It's to the faithful who are in Christ Jesus. So, not sure what's happening here, but he's saying, look, 
that old manner of life where maybe you were the God of your life and you were doing good and you just thought what was right and what was wrong and don't tell me what to do, I'm good. <laughs> maybe it's not so good, right? Maybe there's a new way of thinking to bring our minds up to something else that we can live and endeavor to be that shows what the kingdom of God is going to look like in the future. So, what are we to walk like? Well, he tells us that. This is what to do. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through uh, 3. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you all to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is the new lifestyle. This is what we elevate our thinking to. This is what we put on. It's like changing allegiance or changing whatever we were in the past to upgrade ourselves to behave and conduct ourselves like citizens of heaven. To act like who we are disciples of. We are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, how He lived, how He loved, what He confronted, what He rejoiced in, and what He eschewed. That's what we do. We want to live like that. You see, whatever we were in the past must pass through the filter of this new walk. Our identity is in the new life made available by Christ's sacrifice. As heirs of God and brothers of the Christ, we have been given a clean slate in this life. Our eternal life is guaranteed by the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have been called to do good works and show people the way to the Father. This newfound freedom is not squandered in sexual immorality, in covetousness, greed, or any other vice. These things that he's bringing up to him, there are elements of it that are good. Sex is good. It's funny you said that in church, right? <laughs> it is. God designed it. It's for a reason, right? Uh, saving for our future is good. Um. Anger, as it pertains to self-defense and the defense of others, is good. All of this is good when it's within the proper bounds. There are bounds. There's good things. There's bad things. There's ways to think about things. There's ways not to think about things. If some of these things are a means to your own end, it's not going to lead towards life. It's going to lead towards corruption. Ephesians 4.17 now this I say and testify in the Lord that ye all must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Now futility, uh, that's not a word I use all the time. I, I may use the word utility, but not futility. <laughs> Uh, futility is what is devoid of truth and appropriateness, perverseness, and depravity. 
This is the wrong identity to embrace. We want to push off from that. And they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardness of their heart. This is something that comes over time. It isn't like all of a sudden a person is hard-hearted. It's due to habit and practice that brings someone to this level of hardness. Uh, verse 19 alludes to that even more. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. People become what they meditate on. The things we practice forms habits and manifest themselves in our identity. But we have a new identity in Christ. It's interesting, it uses this word callous. Uh, and it's really what it means. Like um, musicians, they know that when they, they play a, an instrument at first, it, it's painful on your fingertips. I've tried to learn the banjo and other different things. I tried, but not succeeded. <laughs> but in the practice of all of that, man, my fingers were tender for a while, but then after a while, it didn't bother me so much, and I could really mash them chords down into the frets, but I was probably pushing too hard, but I developed a little callus. How about folks at work, Right. Maybe you're working with tools or doing something or the thing that happens only like a few times a year where your rake leaves, you get out there and you're getting after it and, you know, and then you get a blister, right? It hurts. But then eventually that, you see that that blister toughens up and it becomes a callus, so it no longer hurts. Well, that's what happens in folks' mind. When they, when they practice things over and over, at first it hurts or it stings or they may have some sour feelings about that, but then... It doesn't seem to bother them anymore. And that callous, it's on the heart. It's hard for things to penetrate that. It should be tender and supple and open to God. When people harden their heart, it's all about, I'm right. Every man's right in his own eyes. The Bible even says that, right? I'm right. You're wrong. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm my own man. I live life the way I want to. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I'm the man of my house. <laughs> I wear the pants. As soon as I take them out of the dryer. Just kidding. Right? So we don't want to become callous or hard or any of those types of things. We want to remain supple. He's saying the Gentiles do that because they don't know God. Perhaps they're pagan. They even have where they make up a God, and in order to worship that God, they form a sin that they want to do to worship that God. That's what the pagan nations of old would do. We're not that. Paul's saying, look, you've heard about Jesus Christ. You've heard the story of salvation. You've heard how he traded his life for yours. Now all these great things are available to you. Those men and women in the, old Bible, in the Old Testament are your spiritual ancestors. Grab onto that. Be embraced with that. Live new. Put that stuff away. Verse 20. But that is not the way that you learned Christ, assuming that you all have heard about him and were taught in him. I think that's funny that he says that. <laughs> Assuming that you've heard about this before, I'm not pointing any fingers, 
right? <laughs> of course they have. It's to the faithful in Christ Jesus, right? And, and he's laid this all this stuff out, and there's people that are practicing this stuff. But he's, you know, the thing is, it's like um, that Tim Mackey said, uh, you know, when people are reading stuff in the Word that's, you know, it's really great and it's a blessing and it's edifying and all that stuff, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're eating it up. And then when it comes to the point of confrontation, you're like, hmm. <laughs> oh, 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 that's not as tasteful as the other stuff was, you know, and you might make you feel uncomfortable or like, boy, I'm really getting condemned in this section. I think I'm going to go back and into the Gospels and read some good stuff about what Jesus did for me, right? <laughs> uh, uh, sometimes it's like that, right? So I like the way he says that, assuming that y'all have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, huh? Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, plural, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true holiness, or righteous, true righteousness and holiness. This, this little section here is so loaded with good stuff. Um, he talks about, uh, you know, you were taught in him. That's talking about the gospel message, all that that entails and what it includes. To put off your old self. Now, some versions render that as uh, man, right? And at that time, to that audience, it would have included all men, not just men. It would be it's gender neutral. So you might say human, right? Instead of man, you can replace that word, your old human. But really, this book of Ephesians is what? What was our first point that we brought up? Uh, uh, it's community versus self. So it could be rendered as humanity. That draws all of us in. It draws. Yes, we're part of humanity, and we have to take a personal, and we'll do something to do something for ourselves. But really, it's community. He's talking to the community. Put off your old humanity, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Deceitful is our old ways of thinking. It, it'll trick us. And what I mean by that is, is um, uh, because we don't acknowledge God, perhaps as our source of sufficiency or, or whatever it is, something in life, there's something that we esteem that is important. And I have got to get this thing for myself, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it. And you may compromise along the way, uh, and I'm guilty of it. Or, you know, I try to justify this or that to get to the means of the, uh, the end of where I want to be. That is against God. It is against community. It's against, you know, what we're learning here. So those deceitful desires, it's in that old man nature where I have to get it for myself. I've got to do this for my own. I, I am my own man. I'm a self-made man. Whatever the thing is, whatever fanciness a person may talk themselves into to justify committing a sin to get to the end. Uh, to be, you know, someone that dates a lot of people, that may be someone's worldly goal. 
it's not a good goal. You know, it, it might be to amass a massive amount of fortune. When I get this kind of money right here, I'll be able to sit back and take it easy. So all these goals are just like a, a wheel, you know, that the little rat runs on or the hamster just spins and spins and spins and it takes you nowhere. It's the breadcrumbs to oblivion. We don't want to get caught up in that stuff. It reminds me of, um, I like uh, kids' movies. I had some, you know, and you know, we watch all these cartoons, and that was an excuse for me to be able to watch. And one of my favorite ones that we watched was that Kung Fu Panda, you know, and he was uh, pulled out of nowhere just by accident. All of a sudden, you know, here he is, and he goes through this training to become the dragon warrior who's going to defeat the ultimate bad guy and everything. And he goes through all this stuff and everything, and they finally, you know, they, they think he's ready enough to get this dragon scroll, and it's way up high, and they pull it down, and they give it to him, and only he can look at it. Only his eyes can look at this dragon scroll because it's just for the dragon warrior, and it's going to give him some kind of level of wisdom or knowledge or some new kung fu move that's going to help him defeat the bad guy. So then he opens up the scroll and he looks at it, and his eyes get big and he screams, ah! and they think it's, it's too awesome for anyone to take in, you know, it's just too awesome. And he looks at it and, and it's just a gold sheen, and it shows a reflection of himself. And he's like, ah! and he's like, blank. And the master guy there is like, what? It can't be. I can't, here, look. He's like, oh, I can't see it. And he grabs it, he looks at it, he's like, huh, they don't know what to do. Later it dawns on him that when he gets this scroll, the reflection showed him himself. He needed nothing more to be complete. He needed nothing more in life. No new attainment, no new goal, no new whatever. He was already that guy. Same thing with the new creation. We don't have to get on the world squirrel wheel or whatever it is and run off into oblivion chasing goals that keep us distracted from what is most important in life. And that is unity with the body. Unity within the body of Christ. That's what's important. He's saying, don't get tricked by what is out there in the world. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This renewed in the spirit of your minds, and it says, and to put off... Uh, sorry, put off the old self at the beginning of verse 22 or the old humanity and then it says to put on a new, to put off it's, it's really talking about like clothing. So it's kind of like this. TV land. <laughs> to put off is as simple as this is the old manner of life. And put on the new. Put on what God has made available for us. Put on this wisdom of the word. Put on community. Put on love. Put on forgiveness, charity. All these things that are laid out in the word. Put that on. Whatever humanity you came out of, whatever culture you came out of, whatever ethics you came out of, rise above your station and become a citizen of God and live for truth. And in doing this, what we do is we reflect or emanate or show the greatness of our God. When we live as citizens of heaven and put on Christ and live that way, people see the kingdom of God early. They see it right now. 
When they look at us, they see a child of God. They know what it is to be forgiving, to be loving, to be forbearing, to, you know, give because you have that abundance in your life. Whatever it is, they see that of you and they can see Christ. They can see God. The new self is the kingdom lifestyle humanity. Verse 25 to 32 can be used as benchmarks that we are living in the newness of life. It is the evidence of the new life. So verse uh, 25. Therefore, have a way, having put away falsehood. Falsehood. That means be your true self. We don't have to put on airs. Be your true self. What is your true self? Your true self is the new identity you have in Christ. That's your true self. It's not what people think about you, what they see in you, what somebody formed an opinion about you. Our identity is in the Word of God. This is who we are. We live that. So the falsehood, you know, uh, did you do such and such? No. Because I, I might lie and say, uh, well, I want them to think better of me. And when I, when I really did, you know, did I, um, you know, make a mess when I took out the trash? No, oh, that wasn't me. That's when the dog. <laughs> Whatever it is. You know, we want people to think better of us, you know what I mean? So we may put on airs, a facade, you know, act like someone that we're not. Just be that new humanity. Be that new person that God has called us to be. What we're learning about in the Word. Live that. They have every one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. If we are members one of another, see, it's community. We're all in this together. What's interesting, we'll get to this, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down upon your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now, verse 25 through 31, these sections right here, it's mainly talking about words and communication. So anger. Anger can be uh, brought up because of sin. It can be brought up because of pride. It can be brought up for different things. Uh, people say when they're angry, it says, be angry and sin not, or do not sin. People say things that they don't mean and are words that are intended to cause injury when they're angry. So it's available to be angry and not sin. So, you know, what is that anger? <laughs> there is a righteous anger, which is a type of anger that is motivated by love for God that eschews evil and sin. It is an anger that is grieved by anything that dishonors God or harms his people. It's anger towards the sin and not the sinner. So you can be angry and sin not. You can be mad or aggravated about the sin, but not abuse the sinner or the person. Because who is the, who is the audience here? He's not talking about an enemy that is, you know, invaded or bombed you. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the community. You know, something aggravates you, you know, you can have righteous anger, but don't sin in the process of that. Make sure you handle things right. How do we handle things with people that made us angry? You talk to them, right? 
So this is in the context of communication. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That means within a 24-hour period of time, take care of your business. Call that person up and say, hey, I'm thinking about this thing. I don't think it went down pretty good. What do you think? And then you talk it out with that person, and you get it right. Getting back to the unity, which is the theme of Ephesians. We're getting back to doing things right. And give no opportunity to the devil. The devil. Uh, that no is like saying no, not even once, give an opportunity, which is an occasion for acting to the devil. Um, it's interesting when the Lord's Prayer talks about deliver us from evil, right? Well, one way to help that out is don't give place to the devil that we got to ask for God to bail us out, right? So he said, don't even go that way. Stay away from that. Uh, verse four, uh, 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So, you know, I, I think about Paul and where he's at when he's writing this letter. <laughs> he's got, you know, who's around him? You know what I mean? He's around some malefactors, right? He's around some evildoers, some bad guys, some people that did something wrong. Of course, if you ask them, everybody's innocent, right? I didn't do that, man. <laughs> uh, but some people there are probably genuinely there because they did something wrong. So he's in there, and he's... And it makes me wonder, like, so you're seeing this thing here where he's talking this through, um, you know, verse 25, speak the truth. Verse 26, watch your mouth. Verse 29, corrupt talk and use words of grace. Verse 31, watch your mouths again. Verse 32, words of kindness. This verse just seems out of place. If you read the verse as it is, I mean, it's like, amen. Don't do that. Don't steal. Don't be a thief. But what is the context? The context is within communication to people in the community. So how would that relate? How does being a thief relate to being in community? Don't steal the conversation and talk about things that are unfruitful, unprofitable. Rather, labor, working the word, so that when these things come up, you have something good to give to them that need. I'm not saying that that's what that means, but when you look at it within the context, we just if you look at it where it is, okay, I can say amen. But when I look at within the context, if the context is talking about communication, it makes me think, okay, how does this relate to communication? Let me be a good steward of time and talk about things that are going to be gifts of God's grace to this person's hearing rather than taking them down a road that leads to corruption. Just a thought, something for you to think about. Verse 29. See, now we're right back to talking about what? Communication. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Man, when we're in a conversation with someone, we're living the kingdom lifestyle, we're thinking about God and we're thinking about His Word. When people leave from us, they should feel like they've received a gift of God's grace because of our words. We've built them up. We've encouraged them. We've spoken words that lend towards healing. We've spoken things about deliverance, thinking about 
good stuff, how God's going to help you. He's going to be there. He's going to be on your side. I'll do whatever I can to help you out. All those types of things that we do in community to help one another out, that's where our words should be leaving. So people feel, man, whenever I'm around that person, I always feel good. I feel blessed. When I leave there, I feel like I'm better than I was when I talked to before I started talking to them. That's the lifestyle we want to live. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption, right? We certainly don't want to do that. We want to do things that please our God, that bless Him because He did a lot of good for us. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. <laughs> He's on an and roll there, isn't he? Yeah. And slander be put away from you along with all malice. And uh, when I used to read this, I used to, you know, try to think about this in a new way, like we've been working on in here. For some reason in my small mind, I always thought you put that stuff away with malice, like, man, I'm done with you. I ain't doing that no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's not what that means. It means the desire to injure wickedness that is not a shame to break laws. Man, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. Right? I know you all don't want to do that either. Then we get to verse 32. Be kind one to another. This is what to do. It's a reminder. It's already been stated, you know, different ways throughout, all the way up to this point. Be kind one to another, or to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. How is this evidenced? It, it could be by our actions. But a lot of times people know because of what we say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People know what you're thinking about by why, what you're talking about. If you have changed from the humanity of other nations to being in the community of God's household, it's going to be evidenced by what we say. The kindness, the forgiveness, the long-suffering, the forbearing. Oh, when we do these things, we are radiating and reflecting our God. That's what we want to do. We want to be those lights upon the hill. We want to be those people that know that we are a child of God. Just know because you just radiate it. You exude it. You're a new person. You've changed your nationality, so to speak. You're no longer, you know, whatever it is. Now you are a citizen of God. Yeah, do we still live here? Yeah. Do we still have to follow laws of the land? Yes. Do we have to, you know, all these things that the Word lays that out too? But the point is, is we are new creations. And just like taking off the old and putting on the new, it'll be evidenced by what you and I say. So we get to our four layers of interpretation. What did the text mean to them? I, could all, I just would love to have been able to see that as he's laying these things out. Stop acting like a Gentile. What? That's what I am. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay, well, I lay it out for you in here. You know, I, I think you've heard about some of this Jesus talk before. I'm assuming you understand what salvation is all about that you now have a new life in Christ, you can live like that, right? And how would they have applied it? 
I think that uh, as a community, they would have talked about what this meant. How can we do this better? How can I be a greater help to you? How can we live like we're citizens of heaven right now, even though it's not here? How can we live like kingdom people, even though it's not right now? We can glimpse evidences of these things as we apply these magnificent truths from the Word. So what does it mean to us? you got to think about that, right? What does it mean to you? What does kingdom lifestyle look like for you? What are the things of your old that you've cast off and continue renewing? It's not a one-time action. It's like a one-time, like I just chuck that jacket in the trash. It's not a one-time deal and you're done. I'm done with that. <laughs> nope. It's a continual thing. It's something that we have to do over and over again because what's happening? Words are coming at us through the senses. You know, the news, the media, the this, the that, your job, the blah, 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 right? It's a renewing, keeping ourselves sharp on what the Word says. And we do that as a community. We help one another. And how can we apply the message? Man, just live it. Just live love. If you err on the side of love, you'll never be condemned at the gathering together for having been too loving to God's people, for being too forgiving, for being too long-suffering. None of those things are no bueno. They're all muy bueno, which means very good. Right? <laughs> so uh, our lives reflect and radiate the greatness of our God, His forgiveness, His love, His appreciation for His people. And when we're around people, we want them to feel like they've received a gift of God's grace, that they... Uh, are better for having known us or talked to us at that time. And we evidence that we are living new lives by exhibiting kindness, compassion, forgiveness, and thankfulness. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we sure love you and are so thankful for messengers like Paul that help guide us and direct us to become new people, to live like the folks that you want us to be. And how you've set us up for success by being in a community of other people that love you, that worship you, that esteem you highly for everything that you do for us. And Father, we want to be able to come before you at any time and have conversations about whatever's on our heart so that we can be better men and women, so that we can reflect your greatness and your love and your care for all of us. And we truly do love you and are thankful for just the abundance that you continue to shower upon us because you love us and you look past our short suits, our sins, our shortcomings, and the times when we try to outthink you, Father. We thank you for forgiving all that stuff and for loving us despite of ourselves sometimes. So thanks for being such an awesome God, and we worship you and praise you and are thankful that you called us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thanks for listening to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information on how we are striving to follow Jesus together here in Louisville, Kentucky, check out our website, compasslu.org, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and view additional resources.